Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Down the block, Andrew Jones. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won the grand final. It's got the ball. Jones. G'day guys, this was part one of my feature on the weekly rubdown this week. You've heard all the other bits, this is part one, it's a good little hour stint and I just wanted to point out, I haven't listened back to it myself yet, but obviously we recorded this at the back end of last week, so all the trials that happened last night and are happening today on Sunday, uh, there's a lot of injuries that have happened, I mean, Harry Grant's been injured, Wade Egan's been injured, there's a lot of movement, a lot of guys that have revealed new positions they're going to be playing and whatnot during these trials, so Keep that in mind. Uh, I think most of the information is still very relevant, especially for draft day. Uh, but just keep that in mind. If there is anything that you know makes sense now, maybe something has changed in the last 48 hours or so. Enjoy it, guys. This is my feature on the weekly rubdown, a podcast that if you're a draft person, I highly advise you get around. Natty and Walker, they are absolutely dominating the uh, draft space for me. They are doing fantastic things. Good banter and the best information in the game. Let's kick it off. Yeah, g'day everybody. Welcome back to the Weekly Rubdown, a podcast where we rub down everything NRL Supercoach Draft. You're listening to the Draft Day Rub. I'm your host, Natty, and with me as always, riding shotgun in the rub is my hype man, Wooker. And tonight, squirting some of that lavender-scented oil on his mitts, the content slut himself, the rugby league guru. What's going on, mate? Mate, I don't mind that one. I've been called much worse. What's doing, boys? It has been a while. How good! Look, uh, let's just stop there. Just rip in. Let's um, let's crack them if you got them, mate, uh, boys. Fuck! I've been looking forward to this one. What are we drinking? I've got a, uh, I've got some of Keith Urban's finest over here. Ooh, okay, nice <laughs> on the burbs. Love it. What about you? Uh, Capital Rock Hopper, fucking good. Not on the Venos. Uh, I've, I had a couple of Venos before the the pod, okay. so I'm on the quite on lost. the codeines, on the crushed up codeines. Mate, snorting those like nothing else. No. Um, tapering off. Tapering off. 
they bring off the codeines. How good. Oh, God. All right, Guru. What's going on, mate? How's everything going? Give the give the podcast, the page, a plug. Tell us what's coming up. Do what you want, mate. The floor's yours. Mate, uh, all been going really well. I've uh, recently moved house. Uh, we got an extra bedroom in the place we're in, so I've decked it out to a little studio man cave, which has been sensational. I think uh, my girlfriend's ready to put my face on the side of milk cartons. I've just been MIA for the last few weeks. Uh Smashing out content, enjoying the podcast, uh, yeah, nailing out shit on Instagram. I'll, I'll tell you what, for a while there, um, I felt like I was working hard on Instagram. Seeing you boys lately, you have been absolutely flying. That one is all natty. You yeah, look. Absolutely killing the content. You know what you said to me last year, Guru? You said, like, I'm going to take one year, I'm going to put everything into it. If it works, fantastic i'll ride the momentum i'll do something with it if it doesn't hey i gave it a really red hot go and that's what we're doing this year we're really going to try and fucking just rape everything rape social media rape podcast do everything we can to get our name out there and if it works and you know people love us and and the podcast and the page you know gains followers momentum all that good shit then you know who knows the sky's the limit i guess but we're definitely just uh, just trying to do what you're doing, mate. No, mate, I, I think there's huge potential for you guys. I think you've already grabbed uh, the draft space. I know we've been talking about this recently. Uh, it's almost like you've got a bloody cult following over there. We, we definitely do attract a certain type of person. It's definitely a type. <laughs> you walk into the pub, you can see the table. You know who they are 100%. Yeah, exactly. Usually it's the blokes staring at, um, some ponies running down a racetrack. They're they're the top of blokes that we attract. There's some fucking degenerates. We made this this um this listener league through that competition, and mate, it, we've picked right because the blokes in there, it's a cesspit. It really is. It's loose, mate. If they're not watching ponies, they are rubbing five dragon in the corner. It's fucking telling it <laughs> yeah. sweet nothings. They are a <laughs> special it. special breed. That's it. That that's them, mate. That's them. Mate, well, uh, cheers for coming on. As we always say, rubbing one out is more enjoyable and it's easier with an extra pair of hands. Now, today we're going to just go through draft day as a whole. We're going to look at some guys that we're big on. We're going to be talking about some strategy. We're going to talk about draft day as a whole, what we do on draft day. It's just a bit of a holistic view of the day itself. You like that word, boys? Holistic? I was about to say, that's... um... Have you got like a thesaurus next to you or something? I, I'm, I'm a few deep too. I, I, I think I get smarter after about four beers. You don't get funnier, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> now I know you're lying through your fucking teeth, Guru. <sighs> right, let's um, let's get into the draft lookers, boys. So Guru, just to run you down what we're going to do here, Walker and I will go through each position and we're going to give out our looker. A draft looker is... Not your gun, not your obvious pick. It's a value pick. A guy that we reckon you can get late. A guy that we think is going to beat their average from 2020. A guy that presents a lot of value. So I'll I'll make Wooker go first. So if he starts fucking meandering on and, and drifting off into some cut, sort cut of mind-numbing... Yeah, I can just go, that's enough, mate. And then I'll go. And then, Guru, you can either agree with us, talk about the guys we talked about, or add in another guy as well. Too easy, boys. Right. Hooker, let's go, mate. So, Hooker first. Um, I've gone McCulloch uh, just because, look, he had a couple of games off the bench last season, drove down his average a little bit. He's never going to set the world on fire with, like, a um, like a lot of attacking stats. But, yeah, he'll go in P2 
probably round 10 plus in most leagues. And I think, yeah, you could get some decent value for him like round nine, round eight. And yeah, I, I just, I, I don't think he's going to be awesome, but yeah, I think he's definitely one to look at. So what's, what's your thoughts on the minutes he's going to get Walker? Do you think that he's going to be the standalone hooker there? Or do you think they'll carry Billy Britton on the bench? That's why it's a, it's a bit of a, a, he relies on minutes. He'll still get you your 50 odd um, playing 60. And I think if, if they do carry Britton on the bench, then that's where he kind of sits. Um, look, to be honest, it, it's not a it's not like a, a sexy pick. But, yeah, it, it's just he's going to slip in a lot of drafts. So you pretty much you want to draft him on that 60 minutes and, you know, that sort yeah, of yeah, 50 yeah, to exactly. 55 average. And then if he gets 80, it's just a little cherry on top, like a little finisher. You've obviously won the lotto there, and he's, he's going to start pushing for that 60 average. Yeah, over the years he's shown he does have a bit of like um, a bit of attacking stats in him, but yeah, it's definitely not something that I'm I'm drafting for. Guru, thoughts on McCulloch? Uh, mate, I'm a fan of Andrew McCulloch. I um, I raved about him when he arrived at Newcastle last year. He did really well. Uh, that injury obviously took him out of the game. Um, geez, it's been a whirlwind for a few months for him. I mean, going back to Brisbane after getting kicked out, arriving at the Dragons. Um, I think he will play 80 minutes. I really like Billy Britton. Uh, I'm not sure if Billy Britton will be in that side. He'd be in my team, but I'm not sure if he will be in theirs. Look, I think Andrew McCulloch, I'm just having a look at his numbers now. I mean, when he does play 80 minutes, I mean, there was four games last year out of, I think, seven when he played 80 minutes that he scored above 60 base stats. I mean, that is elite sort of standard there. Yeah. And, and I guess the, the real thing to understand is, like, he's worked with Hook before, and Hook's brought him back well, brought him in, uh, back in, under the fold because he know he that's the type of hooker that he wants. That's the, that's I, I still don't understand why they pushed McInnes um, out, but it's obvious that this is a decision driven by Hook. And look, if he, I think he is going to um, be playing a pretty big minutes, if not eighty, like you said. I think that's a really good point with Hook. I, I think he's definitely going to play favourites with a lot of these guys. It's like a fucking reunion of the 2013 Broncos, isn't it? It's unreal. Have a, go, have a go at that spine. Like, three out of the four in the spine have played under him, like, together. It's unreal. I I, I think it's a major advantage for uh, for Andrew McCulloch, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, McCulloch's obviously lost that sort of, that spark in the name, like, where people go, right, yeah, I'm keen on McCulloch. So that definitely presents some value in drafts. Um, even though we're talking about him potentially playing 80 minutes, I just don't think a lot of people are going, going to be looking at him. So definite value there. I don't mind him in that 10-plus range. So good one, Wooker. My guy's Lockie Lamb. And I don't – it's not – so much as looking at the stats and getting a good feel about how he played last year. It just, my, my draft senses are tingling. I don't know if it's my draft senses or if it's that rash that just won't go away, but I just feel like he's in for a big year, whether that's because, you know, I'm thinking about Flano went when he came into that system. Um, you know, Flano came in and they just surrounded him with weapons and he didn't have to do much for his super coach output to be outstanding, right? Mm. I just think with that solid base that he's got, you're looking at a 30 to 35 base that you're going to get out of a 5'8", which is fucking incredible. You know, now you're talking about the Munster and Dylan Brown types. And then if he just does something in attack, you know, you're going to start creeping over that 50 average mark. And I just think where you're going to draft him, we're looking sort of eight, nine, 
dual eligibility as well. He's covering 5'8 and hooker. It's just fucking golden, um, a guy like this. And if I'm right and if it works and he starts really playing well in attack, you've won the lotto. You really have. Ooh, I, I don't know about taking him eight or nine, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on board with him because look, the the average that he's um, pre-draft listed at, played majority of his games off the bench. So he wasn't even playing four minutes. So he's heavily under, undervalued by just the um, just that. The one thing to to temper what you were saying though, a lot of the stuff that Flannel was doing, he was he was banking a lot of points off his goal kicking. And I, I just don't see that coming from from Lamb. From all accounts, it's definitely going to be TKO. But yeah, I I, I like the pick. Maybe not as early as eight or nine. What, what do you who, reckon? Who takes the goal kicking when TKO is not in the field? Like, tell you I'm apparently, not, I'm not I'm not seeing TKO playing more than sixty minutes. Oh no way! So who kicks goals when he's off the field? You'd have to think be, Teddy, wouldn't you? Teddy. It can't be Teddy. We're not ready for that. The Supercoach no. world is not ready for that. What about Curie? Is he a bit, bit of a kicker? Has he thrown a few over? I don't know. I I literally, Teddy's the only guy I've seen slot him. Mate, Lamb has kicked run. goals. He has kicked goals previously in New South Wales Cup and whatnot. I wouldn't call him a goal kicker per se. I also wouldn't call Teddy one. But for me, I think they entered last year with Kyle Flanagan. You know, we all remember he was the future. He's the guy we're going to build around. Uh, it's 12 months later and, you know, he's never to be heard of at the Sydney mm. Roosters again. I just think... Throwing goal kicking on onto Lamb's plate as well. I mean, I just think it's a little bit too much. I think they'll give it to Teddy. I, I, I always think as a young footballer, that time after they score a try, like after you score points, that next set is so important. I would be giving my young halfback all the time in the world to just get himself prepared and ready to go in that next set. I wouldn't be throwing uh, goal kicking on his plate, to be honest with you. Jesus yeah, especially boys. when it's it's not something that he's done previously like, to a high level. We're talking about Teddy goal kicking here now. <laughs> what about Joey, Joey Manu? Let's a just dive player. down that avenue for a second. Teddy is obviously a clear number one no matter what. You throw in goal kicking there. Now we're talking about you have to be picking one. Like, you know how we talk about, okay, snake draft, 10-man league, four, five, six is where you go. If Teddy is goal kicking, you want to be first pick every fucking day of the week. Mate, Teddy goes from pick one to pick zero just quietly. Seriously, like this could be absolutely anything. This could this could almost ruin Supercoach as a game. You've got Teddy, you're just unbeatable, especially if you're playing captains. Mm. I mean, like I said, I don't think we're ready for it. It's going to be interesting if he's kicking goals, that's for sure. And for you to say that, Guru, that, yeah, like Lamb has slotted him, um, I don't know. It's 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 definitely one to watch. We might get a look at it this weekend in trials, but Lamb's the type of guy. I'm not taking him as my first hooker or my first five eight. Right? If he gets if it's round ten, round ten. If he's there, I'll reach for him and put him on my bench before I filled my thirteen. I think he's a perfect handcuff option in those two positions lacking in depth. And I know some people go, oh, what, you're picking your bench before you've picked your 13? I After round 10, I'm picking big picks anyway, so it doesn't fucking matter. I'm picking front rowers. Who cares? He'll, he'll get you more value than your, your last two center, center wings. 
Put it that Big way. time, 100%. So that's something to think of as well there for strategy guys. If you're coming into sort of round 10, round 11, and there's guys there that you see value in, but you've already picked them, those you've already filled those positions, whack them on your bench. I'll tell you who he reminds me of looking at these numbers. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, they are in a similar situation New seven coming in. There was a young guy that played the year before, of course, Jackson Hastings. Um, and I took him that year, sort of half expecting, we'll just see what happens here. And he was a guy that put up 20, 30 base stats a week. Uh, he laid on a try here and there because he was in the Roosters system, and he turned out to be a really solid option. I wouldn't be shocked in the slightest if Lachlan Lamb does end up being a 40, 45-point player. They just give him, give him an opportunity where they don't just um, get the shits with like either defensive frailties or something like that. Like, Well, you're not um, going to get that with Lamb. No, no. He's a superb defender. He's played in the middle a lot of his career. He knows how to cut him down. They won't get that with him. He, that's where your base stats are going to come from because mm-hmm. he's going to move up and defend really well. He's going to be like a Dylan Brown type where he just cuts him in half and he makes, you know, 19, 20 tackles a game. Excited to see how he goes in the, the trials. Yeah, definitely one to watch. All right, let's move on to the big pigs. Um, and... I think we're all on the same page here. We're not big on them. We don't give a fuck. We'll probably draft them rounds 12 and 13. But let's talk about them anyway. Wooker, what, what do you got? Uh, so I've gone with Christian Welsh. Um, when he was when he was on form at, at the back end of the season, when he came back from injury, look, he smashed out probably, I think it was a 58 average. So he's coming into the this season with an overall average of 51. So he's definitely undervalued. And look, I, I just think, that team is going to be setting a huge platform. And, look, it's it's Munster's team, and I think one of the beneficiaries of that is going to be Welsh. The white rhino. I love everything about this bloke. Guru, thoughts? Mate, I, I think Christian Welsh is the guy that no one's talking about, but I think everyone's low-key aware of his abilities here. I think everyone knows that he's got potential to be the top front rower in Supercoach. And I think I think this will be one that everyone will have in their back pocket and everybody will be expecting themselves to be the only one looking at Welsh. But I think everyone in your draft room is going to have their eyes on Christian Welsh. Uh, obviously, last year, the back end of the season was incredible. Uh, we all know, you know, when you have an ACL, it normally takes 18 months to get back to your best. And when I was talking to the physio the other day, I mean, it made me sit back and go like, fuck, imagine if we haven't actually seen the best out of Welsh yet. Like, this season could be even bigger for him. Yeah, and I, it's, I, th- it's, I think he's got another couple of gears to go up. Yeah, it pisses us off because we were big on him early, and then the hype just grew and grew and grew. And we're like, fuck! Now the value is not there because everyone's going to be looking at him. You know, originally we're thinking round ten is where you could probably pick him. I don't think he slips that far now, just because everyone's talking about him. But I do love him. I love everything about the white rhino. I think. I think he can average 60 as a front rower, and uh, I think his PPM is amazing. I think his output is fantastic. I think now that sort of Jesse Bromwich is is getting older, he's taking a, sort of a back step out of that pack. I think it's time that Christian Welch steps up and and takes takes over there as the big swinging dick of that pack. I think the other thing with Walsh that's going to be really important, of course, Big Tino has left. Uh, this is a guy mm-hmm. that was playing 50-odd minutes a week. They're going to replace him with uh, Tui Kamakamika, who I, I you know, I, I don't think you're going to see him for any more than 30 minutes a game. You know, I, I honestly think Christian Walsh is going to get a bump of five, ten minutes here, which, as we know for front rowers, fuck, absolute gold. What's the earliest you boys would take the white rhino? 
Oh. Not early enough to get him. No. Yeah. That's the problem, isn't it? That's well, I, 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 had, I had my draft of uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen um, early today. Oh, I, I took it. I took, I, no, no, it's not what we call it. Anyway, <laughs> I took it. I took it. <laughs> That is terrible. No, no. I took, I took it. Called. I took it. In, <laughs> no, stop, it, stop. That's no. what it's called, isn't it? No, it's one hundred percent not. Oh god. Well, it is now. It's, it's some stupid name. Like <laughs> it SC is now. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> I could imagine the types you've got in there, mate. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. No, continue. Um, I, I, I took. I took him at round twelve. So he slipped a fair way. Oh in, wow! In yeah, draft. that's so, fantastic. Yeah, that's um, great. That was that was huge value. And then Laurie, the next next one in thirteen. So. Look, they, these guys—they're not being talked about a lot, and um, yeah, the, the, like there's plenty of value to be had, especially in the big picks for sure. All right, my guy, and look, it's pretty easy. You, you, everyone <laughs> knows—you've you've mentioned him about <laughs> fifty everyone times. Knows everyone that listens to this podcast will know who I'm going to say, and it's my boy Blake Laurie. Yeah, and the reason I love him is because he epitomizes what I'm looking for in a late round front row forward. And he's also dual. So front row forward to RF as well, which is sexy as fuck. Oh, he's gained to RF, has he? Yep. Yep. Because he, he was playing lock most of last season. Massive. Sexy. Sexy. So 52 average, 46 minutes. Like, I don't even care if he doesn't get any more minutes. If he, just, if he can just get more than 45 minutes, he will average over 50. He, and the thing I love about him is his variance of consistency. It's 15%. Try and find someone that's got a better consistency than Blake Larry. If I pick him, and you might even get him on your bench. No one's looking at this guy, and he will get you 55 every single fucking week. You won't have to worry about it. He's literally, if I could have two Blake Larrys on my team that I picked in round 12 and 13, I'd be so happy. Yeah, he averages 55, his ceiling is 56, and his floor is 54. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. Boy, Blake has got it in spades. Get him in. Seriously, if if anyone in the leagues that I'm involved in takes Blake Larry, I'm coming for you. <laughs> I'm going to fucking flog you. He's oh. my boy. I want him in every league I'm, I'm a part of, I'm telling you. <sighs> I want him. Get him up here. I want to buff him. I think the other thing to watch with Blake Laurie is that, um, of course, we've seen over the last few days, Jack Bird has said that he wants to start the season at centre. So for me, I think for the first few weeks, until we see Jack Bird move into the middle, I think that this guy, he could receive a big bump in minutes to start the season. He could be a potential really good trade bait guy as you get closer through the season. When you sense that Jack Bird's, his body might be up to it to move into the middle, I reckon this guy could be a great trade for you. Mate, I'm telling you, he'll average 55, his pure base will be 54, and his base power will be 54.2. And that's, that's, what, that's what you're going to get out of him. It's so good. I love him. I love him. All right, Guru, so we've done hooker front row forward. Any guys in those positions you want to sort of add on or, or talk about? Uh, mate, Christian Welsh was going to be the one for me. Um, another guy that I'll mention that, um, you know, we, we haven't really spoken about it yet, but this guy is a guy that I would have, uh, like I, I always carry one or two players that if there's an injury in a side, they become relevant really quickly. Uh, one that I would be looking at would be Royce Hunt from uh, the Cronulla Sharks. I think that if they can get one or two injuries there and Royce he can get a starting spot, I think he's got 
for feeder-like qualities. I absolutely love Royce Hunt. The other one to keep an eye on, and he's probably going to take one or two injuries, but he's always been one of my favorite super coach pay- players, is Matty Eisenhuth, obviously moving to the Pen- mm-hmm. Panthers. James Tamu's left. They're two guys that I would keep an eye on. They're probably later guys. I'm not sure if you'd call them lookers, but they're two guys that I would definitely keep an eye on. They're two of my favorites to keep in my side on a bench, and... I think that these guys that you have on your bench that are relevant right now, but they're one injury away from being super relevant, they can really separate you from the crowd in your competition. And look, you're another guy um, that is big on building your bench properly. And, and Walker and I did a, a podcast just purely on bench because I think guys overlook the strategy that's involved in picking your bench. Don't just pick the next best bloke or throw whoever in there. Really put some thought behind it because – it can be gold, and it can pay massive dividends if it comes off. Um, you know, we talked about handcuffs. We talked about rotating your CTWs through your bench. We talked about, you know, guys like Matt Eisenhuth, who's on the bench, who play well off the bench, but then you got one injury, and then bang, he is a fucking gun. You've really got to think about your bench, don't you? Oh, mate, I remember at the back end of my draft last year, there was we were all up to pick 17, and I had my eye on one guy, and I was just sitting there going, fuck, one of these blokes is going to take him because I've mentioned it to Natty on the podcast. I know they're going to take him. <laughs> and then, mate, the five blokes before me, honestly, they picked whilst they had a drink down their throat, and they just went, oh, fuck it, I'm going to change it later, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it got to me. It was Stephen Crichton. So I got Stephen Crichton pick 17. Everyone went, who's that? And one of the boys said, oh, I heard you talk about him on a podcast. Who is he? And, mate, that ended up being a 55-point center winger last year. Like, that was unbelievable. Yeah. Considering I had Kikau and Mansour as well, it was an absolute gold mine. And that's it. Like, And it happens all the time where a bloke comes up and it, obviously it's a big waiver target. And then you go to, to put a waiver in for him and you go, fuck He's on someone's team already. How did that happen? And you ask them and they go, I drafted him, mate. You go, fuck, that's well done. I think, um, like, Dane Laurie is another one that probably fits that mold. Yeah. Who's that? (laughs) Walker's big on this guy. Big, massive. I I don't mind it either, just quietly. I know we spoke about it the other night, Natty. I I think it's a good little punt. And, like, for your, your, like, 16th, 17th pick, it you got to be having a punt or two. What happens if Dane Laurie starts in round one, Wooker? What's going on then? Mate, I'm, I'm going to have to have a shoey or something. You will be doing it. You will be doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You will be recording it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We'll do it live. You can't just throw out shit like that on Twitter and expect. Hey, I'm, I'm going 100%. To I'm 100%. He's not going to start oh. first, first round. I reckon he is. Yeah, you realise uh, Adam Dwayne's out first few rounds too I mean that surely makes it easier for him to get a gig oh absolutely Good call. I'm, I'm worried I'm worried put it that way what there's one he'll play one round and then he'll uh, he only yeah. has to play round one for me and that's enough just to see yeah, you do true, a shoey and be true, wrong true, true. All, right, all, right. all right let's move on let's get into the two RS so uh, this this is a hard one for us because uh, in years past two RF was where you made your money this is where you had you tried to stack your team, right? And I, I, I don't know. I'm not really looking as hard at the two RFs as I have been in past years. Wooker, what are you, what are you looking at here? Oh, mate, I had, I had a list as long as my old fella, just on two so RFs short, alone. Short list, couple of, <laughs> couple of guys then. So I got, I, I got like Fatale Mariner, Barnett, a few other guys that, I, like, I was really keen on, but 
for pure value, like Tarek Sims, he played no more than two two consecutive games um, in a row last season. And in, I think in total he played about 10 games spread over um, the course of the season. So he's he's never really had like a, a proper run through the last season. And his average, average, I think it was like 40-something. His normal average is 50 to 55. And, yeah, I think he's definite, um, definite value. And you easily get him in your or your bench picks, so uh, 14 to 17. I love this call, Wooker. Um, and it's I, I, I rarely say this, but I think you've fucking nailed this. I love Tarek Sims as a late late value play. I think if he's healthy And when he works with Norman, like yes. it's just it's he's the half who uses his his um his uh second roles. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm big on it. Good thoughts. Yeah, uh, Tarek Sims, he's a guy that I haven't been huge on uh, over the past few seasons. I actually got him a couple of years ago, and he, he sort of let me down. But the more I think about it, that was probably three or four years ago. I don't mind the play. Um, it, I, I hadn't selected a guy to name in this uh, in this segment, but the guy that I would be looking at is uh, Jackson Ford. I think the, the mm, other second mm, rower in this team, yeah. I think he's going to be the one to have late for me. Yeah, I, I do like Jackson Ford, and I'll be watching him really closely uh, on the trials this weekend. I, I, he's definitely a likely likely type, isn't he? Loves the tough stuff, loves a, loves to run a straight line off his half. But I don't know. I just think I just think if Tarek Sims can stay healthy, like Wooker said, Norman loves to use his edge back rower, and that's the key to a, a good scoring to RF is when your halfback loves to use. Um, your two RF closer line. You know, I can see him scoring a, a lot more tries this year, um, and you could probably get him on your bench. No one's looking at Tarek Sims. Yeah, a uh, bit of a sidebar. Are you guys keen at all on Felice Kafusi or Kenny Brom? Both of them like scored pretty poorly last season. Um, look, are, are we looking at them at all? I like. Um, I probably like K Brom a little bit le- more just because I'm so high on Munster. I just think that left edge is going to be fucking humming. I'm not sure that Hughes is a great half for two RFs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's uh, he's definitely, like, the most of his attacking points last season were coming off kicks to uh, Vunavalu. So, yeah, it kind of takes um, Fulis out of, the, out of the equation. Yeah, exactly. Guru? Uh, these two fit into the same category as uh, Elliot Whitehead for me. They're just two, three champion footballers. But you know, we, we've had these guys for fifteen years in Supercoach now, or ten years, or whatever. Like they, they, what they do and how good they are just doesn't correlate to Supercoach. I mean, yeah. if you pick the Kenny Joey Bromwich, of the world. yeah, exactly, yeah. mate. Like if yeah. you pick Kenny Bromwich or Felice Cafusi, I'm not going to bag you because you know you're going to get forty five to fifty, and that's fine. But uh, they're not guys that I would be targeting if you if you've got a spare spot and you get to the back end and there's not much doing. You know, you could do much worse than to have a solid back rower in a gun team, of course. Yeah, that's it. All right, Mike. Last last two RF question though. Oh, um, Adam Elliott. Um, so there's talk of Josh Jackson being pushed to lock. Um, obviously, like Elliott played really well at lock, scoring really well before his injury. Are we? Jackson's a gun. Striking, at, at striking, a, striking a name through, striking a line through his name. Elliot, yeah, but yeah. I'm more, I'm like, I'm starting to look at Jackson if he's playing lock. Mm. Disposition. He's a middle forward. Yeah. He's not an, he's not an edge player. 
for me, I, I, I think Elliot, I, I don't think he'll start the season, but I think it's a matter of time till he gets a 13 jersey back, to be honest with you. I've I've said the same about Josh Jackson for four years. He's not an edge player, but like, I, I think people forget just how good Adam Elliott was playing footy last year before he got injured. Like I, I think he was right up there with Victor Radley, what he was doing at the start of last season. And I think the extra ball skills on Adam Elliott over Josh Jackson, I think Trent Barrett will identify how important that's going to be. And I wouldn't be surprised if Adam Elliott's a guy that you can get really late because no one wants anything to do with him. Um, mm. And you get some value out of him later. I'll, uh, I'll tell you what, if Michael Leach is in your, in your draft, you, you got no competition there, do you? My my guy is Joey Tapanay. I think this is Joey's year. Um, And it only cemented my opinion when I watched him uh, in the uh, All-Stars game. He is a damaging runner. He always has been. And and look, it feels like I've been saying this for three years about how big we are on, on Joey Tapanay and how much potential he has in super coach, but he's just, he just hasn't been getting the minutes and he just hasn't sort of cemented a spot in this Raiders uh, pack. And I think this year, the 13th his, and I know that we've, we've said that, you know, you want your upside guys, the guys that can score tries on your edge. But I feel like Joey Tapanay is a guy that's going to be playing in the middle that does have upside. He's got plenty of uh, upside with his offloading ability and tackle breaks. I mean, he's PPM sitting around that one, you know, point per minute. And then you add in, you know, maybe 10 points a game with tackle breaks and offloads. And you're looking at, look, if he gets 50 minutes, you're looking at a 60 average easy. I'm banking on maybe a 65 average for Joey Tapanay this year. For me, when I look at Tapanay, um, I mean, the Canberra Raiders, there are so many mouths to feed down there. It's ridiculous. But this is a guy with big upside. I think the big thing about Tapanay is as well that you get Josh Hodgson back. And Josh Hodgson in the red zone, he is an absolute hero using his forwards. And if I was Hodgson, I would be so excited about linking up with this guy. I'm looking at his stats now. He scored two tries last year. Uh, I'll put a shoey on there that Josh Hodgson... He, he puts him over for at least four tries this season. I'm not taking it there. I reckon it happens easy. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And, I mean, you, you you know, you add another two tries there, that's another two games where a 60 turns into an 80 or a 90 game, and the potential's endless. I mean, the two Pelicans that got done for uh, drink driving the other day <laughs> when your fucking phone delivers a car to you in eight minutes uh, blows me away still. These two and being out of the game, that only helps his cause as well. Big time. And you, and you think... Ricky's not fucking looking at Joey just going, oh, you're my boy. You're my boy. You're it. You know? After after all that drama, and Sticky hates this type of fucking drama, I think you can lock him in for 55 minutes a game, which means 60 to 65 average. And I think it I also means... Yeah, Sorry, go walk. I was just about to say, I can't see a situation where he doesn't score um, average over 65. Yeah, look, and this is this is the thing, and I just don't think he's been talked about enough. I, I think this is massive value here. I don't think people are, are getting how good this fucking kid can be. He is amazing. He shrugs blokes off like it's nothing. And these, and these are the, in games where he's just come off the bench or he's coming in lame or he's injured, you know what I mean? Like, we haven't seen him in full flight yet, and it's a scary thought. Are we worried at all? 
back end of the season. Um, CHM walks back into this side. I reckon there's a big potential for him to end up on the right edge. It moves Hudson Young into the middle at some point. I'm expecting we see Corey Horsburgh, Ryan James come into the picture. Is there any risk that we could see Joey Tapanay's minutes dropping quite a bit? I think the only guy that's going to take minutes from him is that Hudson Young, but I still mm. think he'll play second fiddle to Joey Tapanay. I think 55 minutes, and it's not asking the world from him. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're not saying, oh, he's going to get 60, 65 minutes at lock. 55 minutes is enough. He'll do I, fucking I think, plenty he's, I think his attacking output is enough that a drop in minutes isn't going to have that much of an impact. The only thing that might scupper that is like a Hodgson injury or something like that. Mm. That being said, though, Sterling played a fucking awesome last season. Mm. So, look, I'm not I'm not overly concerned. Um, but like you said before, Guru, like there are a ton of mouths to feed in all the forward positions. So, yeah, I, I look, as an owner, I'd be I'd be a little bit concerned but mate he, he's worth the risk in my opinion is the one silver lining are we expecting tom starling to wear the 14 i mean that obviously helps all of these forwards if he is there are you boys expecting tommy starling hey, to uh ride the pine he's, I think so. he's the future of the club i reckon so I yeah think so and you've also got hodgson coming back from an acl you know they're not going to want him to play 80 minutes and to be honest i don't think he wants to play 80 minutes i think if you've got a bloke like starling who's like a cook mold who loves to play against tired defenses? You know, you've got a Hodgson in, on there for in the last say, 10 minutes of 20, the Exactly, yeah, 25, yeah. 30 minutes, and then you put Starling on and he just fucking blitzes up the middle with tired defenders. I mean, why wouldn't you? It just it just makes sense. Yeah, no, you don't I agree. have to be polite, mate. You, you just jump <laughs> just in. Cut it, just cut no, it. No, mate, no, no, no. Yeah. I, I completely agree with everything, everything you're saying. I, I personally think. Josh Hodgson, he's one of the most interesting guys to watch this year. I've spoken a bit on my podcast. I mean, until Hodgson got injured, we thought the Canberra Raiders couldn't survive without him. Uh, they've proven now they can almost win a premiership without him. So I think it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know Josh Hodgson, but he looks to me to be the guy that he's always liked being the center stage at the Canberra Raiders. So I, I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic this year, how he handles uh, obviously, Tom Starling being in the side. I think it's re- it can only be positive for the Canberra Raiders, but I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah, 100%. I think he's integral in that middle part of the field for the Raiders. He needs to be there, but I just think that addition of that that explosiveness from Starling, it, it, it just needs to be there. And like you said, if he's on the bench, it just means great things for these other middle forwards. 100%. <laughs> All right, let's get into the halfbacks. So another position really lacking depth, super shallow. Um, and to be honest, halfback 5'8 is where you want to find your value. So, Wooker, talk to me. <laughs> now, let me finish before I, I, I say this. Like Mitchell Moses, he like his 2019 average was a bit of an outlier. Uh, we've spoken about this in podcasts gone by. Like, he's not going to score you your 65 or anything like that. I, I just don't think that's in him, the type of game that he plays. But in that season, he, he I think he scored 20-odd um, tries. No, it's 24. 20, 20, something 24, ridiculous like 24 that. 24 tries. Last season, he scored seven. And he still managed an average of 54. So... All he needs is like a little bit of upside in his game. Put over put over a few tries to Matto or something like that. Start working with Fer- Fergie a bit better. 
Look, I, I just I just see that there's a lot of potential to get back to that 60-odd average. Um, definitely not anything above that. But, look, I don't see him falling too far away from it. Um, I, it's not I a sexy totally pick. Agree. It's not a sexy pick, but it's, yeah, I just, I just feel like there is a lot of upside and he can't really go too much worse than he did last season as a half. There's so much value here because everyone is shitting on Mitchell Moses. Yeah. Everyone is going... Don't touch him. Yuck, blah, blah, blah. But if you look into last year, right, tell me, did he look any good? Did he look any good? No. No. Even when, even when he's putting on tries, he wasn't looking that great. But, he's, but he averaged 54. But is it is it because they were such a left-dominant team that he just wasn't allowed the freedom to look good? No, but what I'm saying is he looks so fucking shit and still averaged 54. Mm. That's what gives me confidence with Mitchell Moses. I'm thinking he can't play any worse. I mean, he, seven try assists. Do that on his fucking head. So a 60 average isn't much to ask from him. And I think there's massive value because everyone is just off him. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to fall from that 50, uh, 54 average that he's at at the moment. And look, you're going to be picking him up very late in the draft. Yeah, Guru. What's your thoughts? Uh, boys, I, I agree with some of what you're saying. I disagree with some, though. For me, I think Mitch Moses, he's become a more complete seven. I think that he is a guy that he's always had the highlights. He's always had these extravagant plays. And I've, I've spoken about Mitch Moses for a long time that, you know, I remember watching him come through for Balmain when he was a teenager, and he was, he was fucking unbelievable. Like, he was just so far ahead of everyone else, it wasn't even funny. And I think that he... You know, because he always could pull off the big play, it was always the first thing he went for. And I think over the last few years, he started to learn that, you know, highlights, they're not getting him fucking anywhere. They, he, he puts on 24 tries, he's good and well. He plays the Broncos weeks one of finals. He fucking puts 50 points on those Pelicans. He faces the Melbourne Storm, a real footy side, and they look like a reserve grade team all of a sudden. I think Mitch Moses, he's developing his game. I think that he, he understands that... Dylan Brown is an absolute fucking superstar out on his left edge. And I just think he's getting his team to the right sticks and they're swinging it left. And that's where they were dangerous. And you mentioned his combination with Blake Ferguson. For me, the biggest problem with Mitch Moses and Blake Ferguson is the bloke in between them, Wonga Blake. He is the most predictable footballer in the NRL. You know he's never going to pass. He's an incredible athlete. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, you can literally two-team him because you know he's never going to give the pill. It just Mate. makes the edge very predictable, and I think it's bringing Mitch Moses down. We've talked about this. Oh, it's fucking bringing down even more. Yeah. What they need to start practicing is Mitch Moses' cutout ball. Get it happening, mate. Get that cutout ball just humming. Just hit Fergo on his chest and let him do the rest. Well, that rhymed. <laughs> Mate, I, I, I do agree with you guys, though. Seven try assists um, for the season is definitely go, down for Moses. It has to go up. But, mate, I, 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 if he averages 58 or under 60 this year, I still wouldn't be shocked because I think he's changing the way he's playing. I think he's identified that he can either be the highlights guy or he can try and be the fucking premiership winning guy. And I know which one I'd rather be. Yeah, look, I'd, the way I look at it is he's not going to average less than that, right? Yeah, because that's his, that's his very low. That's his floor. Fifty four yeah. is his floor, and I think he'll do better than that. And I think people will will forget about him uh, because I, I just it just seems like everyone's off him, and I just think he'll slip. Like I'm I'm talking like he'll probably slip if you get him in round seven. That's ridiculous. 
goal-kicking halfback for a dominant attacking team in round seven, please? Can I can I ask you boys this? With the Parramatta Eels, um, I look at them and to me, they're the guy that they go to the party and they take a photo there and they tag themselves. They're always relevant. They're always thereabouts. They're never the main guy at the party. They're always just filling space. And for me... Nearly every other team in the competition, except for the real cellar dwellers, they've improved. The Raiders have got better. The Titans have got better. The Roosters get Radley back. The Storm, they lose Smith. They they gain Grant, who today I think is a better player than Cameron Smith right now. I mean, all these teams around them are improving. And what's Parramatta done? They've lost Michael Jennings, who was unbelievable for them last year. And I'm sorry, who have they replaced him with? Tom Opachik? I mean, I just feel like this team, they are stagnant. They've been stagnant for three years, and they're just not making any moves. I'm just, I'm not sure how much better a Clint Gutherson can get. To be honest with you, I think he is effort built on effort built on effort. But I'm not sure if he, we're going to get much more out of him. I think Dylan Brown is another two or three years away from being the superstar we all know he's going to be. I'm just, I'm not sure where this side is going. No, and look, and that's probably right when you're looking at the team in real-life football. But if you look at it in Supercoach terms, this side has been a top Supercoach scoring team for the last three years. Not only have they been the top attacking team, like scoring Supercoach points, but they've also had the most top 100 players, so top five um, carrying the top 100 players um, scoring Supercoach points as well. So... I don't disagree with you at all, Guru. I think you're, you're bang on. They haven't made any big moves uh, with getting blokes in, and they seem to be running with the same sort of strategy in their team. And, that, you know, they're going to be thereabouts. They're going to be there when the whips are cracking, but they're not going to be a premiership-winning side. But I still think there's going to be plenty of fucking super coach points there to be had. To me, they, they look like the sort of team that, at some point, if they were to lose three or four in a row, they could just look around and go, fuck me. There's been the same blokes here the last four years. We've achieved nothing. We think we're relevant. We're not. I, I could just see, you know, they, they, they used to have these seasons where they go unbelievable, then they would fall off the radar all of a sudden. I wouldn't be shocked if this side did fall off the radar this year, to be honest with you. And you know what? This might be the year that that's the decision making process. Like if they go if they go fuck all this year, they might be like, right, it's time to make some personnel changes because we've had the same blokes. It hasn't worked. It's time to move on. There's probably going to be a lot of pressure on you know the top office to make some decisions if they're not playing well. So uh, it's definitely one to watch. I totally agree with you. Like they're a stagnant team, and I don't I I don't I, ha- I don't have them in the top four. I haven't in the I top haven't got eight. Them in the top eight. I've got a miss in the top eight. To be honest. Wow. You know what's That's always good for big. Parramatta when the top office makes decisions too. Yeah, yeah. Always <laughs> goes to shit. The boys club. Oh fuck! It, I don't know. I, I've just got a bad vibe around this team. I think they're going to miss Michael Jennings. So much. I mean, the games that he played against the top sides last year, that game he played against the Roosters last year, I think they only they only just beat the Chooks that night, the night that uh, Mike Acevo essentially murdered James Tedesco. But, yeah, mate, Jenko was on fire that night. They were in all sorts without him. I think they're going to miss him massively. I was surprised that he pulled out a career year and, and then after the news came out, I, I wasn't as surprised. Yeah, no, fair, yeah. fair. Yeah, but, I, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a massive miss for them. Mm. All right, shut the fuck up because I need to talk about my guy. So we're halfback, Chanel Harris-DeVita. Now, before I, I start, are you both big on him? Go walk. pick, for sure. Yeah? Value, Guru? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of him. The the only thing I do worry about is I I just never like Nathan Brown. It just always worries me. It I think we spoke about this the other night, yeah. and I mean. To be away from New Zealand, away from family, and to have a guy like Todd Payton, he's a good time. He's a players' coach. He's he's a he's a fun time. I think it was good for that squad. Fuck me, bringing Nathan Brown into it—that place could be like a funeral. I'm a little bit worried. And, uh, and this is what I said to you on your podcast as well. I think the fact that RTS is leaving sort of overshadows Nathan Brown coming. You know, I, th- I really think he takes a back step and makes it more about uh, RTS and, and what this season means to him. But as far as um, Harris Tevita goes, you've got to look at that back end of the season where he took over that number seven and Green moved on to the Knights. He just absolutely killed it, whether that's because... They said to him, you've got the seven now. Don't worry. You're not going to have to you know, worry about coming off the bench or getting pulled off or whatever. Pulled off, hello. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like that's just in his head. He's like, right, I can focus on my game. I can do what I do best. And that's break tackles and put tries on. And that's exactly what he did. He had a fantastic um, four or five rounds there in late 2020. So I, I don't expect him to do that. I, I definitely can see him averaging, averaging around that 55 mark. He's a dual-eligible halfback 5'8", and as Walker and I always talk about, this is the most valuable... Um, and a goal dual, kicker. And a goal kicker. It, it just doesn't get any better than that. And mm. in the same vein as Christian Welch, it's a bit fucked because everyone's talking about him, everyone loves him, and he probably won't present as much value as I'm talking about now because guys will start looking at him earlier than he probably should go and there's someone's going to reach for him in your draft. But I just still, I think he's in for a really good year. And I, I think we see the real Chanel Harris-Tavita this year and he is a fucking superstar. I think also, uh, obviously, dual position. We all know that's absolute gold in uh, in Supercoach drafts, halfback 5-8. I think the other thing as well, his last five games, he plays the Tigers, Cronulla, Canterbury, Brisbane, and the Titans in in that run. I mean, it could get worse, yeah, couldn't it? Put on scores. Hello. Sexy. That's even better. I picked would... him up, pick 169 oh, in the draft. Shit. But stop, stop. You could stop have got him 1,069 in that fucking thing. Stop <laughs> stop talking about this fucking league that you draft with six-year-olds. Seriously, it's it means nothing. Don't take any of this <laughs> this shit that Walker's talking about. He's, he just drafted with a bunch of robots. No one knows what the fuck they're doing in that league. You've got a dead-set gun. You're taking candy from a baby. I can't believe you're doing it to these guys. You're just stealing their money, mate. <laughs> You've got to make some money somehow. Oh, well. Hey, what was the best value guy you got in that comp just out of interest? He, uh, he's got like six out of the top ten blokes in his team. It's unbelievable. I got M- Munster in the second round. Joke. <laughs> Munster in the second round. That's enough. No, That's no, like... no. But it, it, because it was a keeper league, he, he didn't this get picked. This is a joke. This is a fucking joke. I'm, let's move on. That's not a real league, Walker. It's not two, a real. Two, two power it doesn't count. Seven. It doesn't count. That league, I've told you before, that league doesn't fucking count. Oh, righto. All right, let's get into 5-8. Walker? Oh, sorry, mate. I was, I was going another beer. Uh, Connor Watson. So we spoke a little bit about him just before the pod. And look, I'm still big on him. Um, I think he can definitely do do a job at Lock. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens and what moves moves happen when um, Lock and Fitzgibbon comes back from injury to see whether that is a bit of a shake-up to the back row. But 
Look, if he establishes himself, stays fit, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty big on him. What's the sort of minutes we're talking about here, boys? Because, oh, that's a lovely sound. Um, are we are we looking at like a 55, 60 minutes, or like are we looking more than that? It's it's hard to gauge Connor Watson. I know everyone's just fucking pulling their put over Connor Watson playing lock, but I'm not as sold on it. I know it's a massive playing classic, but as in draft world, I'm know what to expect from him. He's really explosive. Mm. And that also worries me about his Achilles injury because if you're an explosive player and you've got an Achilles injury, Brian did tell us that, fuck, that's a big worry. And Connor Watson is... reduced performance as well. Exactly. And Connor Watson is his biggest fade. So it just worries me. He's not going to be playing big minutes straight off the bat. They're just not going to do that to him. And it just worries me. Are we going to see the Connor Watson of old where he's just darting out of uh, out of space and it just he's just everywhere? You know, he's that sort of Gutho type of player where he's just fucking everywhere. You just go, where did he come from? He teleported from the other side of the field here to be here in this scoring opportunity. I don't know. I'm I not think, sold on it. I think his role is going to be a little bit different to when he was filling in at dummy half. So he's not going to be that darting player. He's going to be more of that ball playing, um, ball playing lock. So uh, look, I, I feel like he can he can play bigish minutes, maybe nowhere nowhere above like 50 to 55. But look, he's got a mass highlights reel, and the stuff he can do on the field is just unbelievable. A lot of those um, those things he probably won't be able to perform with his um, with his Achilles um, comeback. So we're well, talking about ball playing locks now. I think we've just given Guru a massive hard <laughs> hard one because he loves talking about ball playing locks. Hit us with F- Guru. Future, future of the game, isn't it, mate? It's been the future of game for the what for quite some time. No one wanted to listen to me, <laughs> but it's here now. Thing you've ever said, Walker. Mate, all the experts—they're onto it now. Don't worry about it. Now, this is a guy once again, like about eight other guys. I've been saying for ages he has to play lock, and this year I think you're going to see two Connor Watsons. I think you're going to see pre-origin Connor Watson and post-origin. I think there'll be two completely different players. I think he's going to lack minutes for the start of the season. I think at the back end, uh, if he stays injury-free, I think Connor Watson's going to be a guy that you're going to want in your side personally. Uh, obviously, 5'8 slash hooker, I mean, that's massive to be playing just a roaming role. And I think he will play uh, that sort of link man role. But the thing I love about Connor Watson when it comes to Supercoach, he is a fucking hog. He is run first. Yeah run second sort of footballer, which I absolutely love in Supercoach. Uh, the other, the only thing that worries me about Watson... The only thing that worries me about Watson is that you've got Mitchell Pierce at seven. You've got to find a spot for Blake Green. Apparently, he's going to be the captain, so I'm assuming he'll play six. Uh, you've got Kurt Mann coming off a career-high year. Where does he play? You've got Tex Hoy, who can play a multiple, you know, a heap of positions. Where's he going to play? I just worry that... They've got too many guys that are good at a lot of things, not great at anything, that are versatile, that potentially it could mess up Connor Watson a little bit. I mean, it could mess up Braley as well. I just think there's a lot of mouths to feed of, you know, very versatile dudes that we don't really know what position they are. They're just footballers. That's the only worry I have with Watson. But I think at the back end, he is going to be a guy that you want. What, what, what round was to the Um. Oh, any anywhere between like rounds seven to ten, to be honest, for the, where I see his value, seven might—I mean, eight might be a bit 
um, bit early, but yeah, eight, eight to ten. So we're talking picks seventy to eighty, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I think All this right. is a guy that. No matter where you draft him, he's going to raise eyebrows, and we're not going to know whether it's a good pick or not until the end of the season, realistically. 100%. You pick him, and it works out. You're a fucking genius. You're going to look so good. Yeah. And this, and you've got to make punts. And we always talk about this. We can always touch on this. If you play it safe, you'll never win a championship. It's as simple mm. as that. Because everyone's thinking safe. You've got to go above and beyond. You've got to start thinking outside the box. You've got to start thinking about guys that really present value, guys that you're big on. And this is what we always say is if you believe in a guy, you go for him. Reach for him. Get him. If you really believe in that guy, if you're big on Connor Watson, reach for him. Get him. Don't fucking worry. So you what, I'm glad the uh, ball-playing lock uh, chat is over because my pants were chafing for a second there. That was full on. <laughs> as soon as Wooker said ball-playing lock, yeah. I Pitching a tent over here. Your, I actually heard your heart on. I heard it. <laughs> it, was, it was audible. You got some good hearing, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. All right, my, um, my guy for 5'8", and another thing that pisses me off right i was so big on scott drinkwater before he started playing fullback right now he's playing fullback everyone's all over him but still love him and i I think i think he's a guy that you can reach for and in the same vein as mitch moses last year he averaged 55 the cowboys did absolutely nothing in attack and scott drinkwater caught maybe 70% of the balls that were fucking passed not, to him. Not even, mate. Not even. Like, he dropped a lot of fucking balls. In, in attack and territory, too. He can't play any worse. He can't play any worse. And, I, and Guru, you and I talked about this the other day, and it's he he's a ball runner, but he also has those silky, smooth skills with the ball. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you take the pressure off him half... You put him in the fullback, he can pop up both sides of the field. I think you're going to see something special out of Scott Drinkwater. I don't even know what he's going to average. That's that's how big I am. I, I, I think he I think Scott Drinkwater could be the number one value play in draft this year if it all goes right. I think the thing with Scott Drinkwater people forget is that I mean, he was the fullback over Ryan Pappenhausen. It was only an injury that gave Pappy a sniff that, yeah. you know, ended up seeing Scott Drinkwater leave. I, I've been saying it for ages. I think Drinkwater's the best fullback at the Cowboys. I think Val Holmes is the best winger at the club. I mean, it just makes sense. you gotta, you got to pick teams that are going to win games, not that are going to, you know, make a paycheck worthwhile. To just it, This just makes sense to me. And um, I think Michael Morgan's going to be massive as well this side they've been lacking someone to direct them around the park for a long time. And the, the thing that excites me about him at fullback is that he'll be getting two ball with just just an extra three metres of space to think and to look up and play eyes up. And I just think it's going to make a massive difference for him. Uh, you know, you're going to have the hammer at centre. You're going to have, um, I assume, Isan Masters will probably get back into this side at some point this year. I think they're just going to have a lot more strike. I'll, mate, I'll eat my fucking hat if I have to watch Justin O'Neill play another game of first grade at the Cowboys. Is, is that doing anyone else's head in or what? Oh. Now, Walker loves him. He's the, no, he, oh. look, back in the day, he, he was all right. Oh, his day, day was passed about, like, five years ago. Mate, I'd look good in a fucking Melbourne back line. <laughs> hey, I don't know exactly. how many times 
I don't know how many times Wooko told me to get Justin O'Neill in the in the Draft Legends League off the waivers. He's like, get him, get him, get him, get him. I pick him up. I go, is 22 points good, Wooko? Is that is that is that no, what we're looking for in, here in, in the fucking back line? Is is 22 points what we're looking for? Jesus Christ. Mate, if I was short in Oztag and I looked over and Justin O'Neill was sitting there, I'd play short. I just, I cannot stand <laughs> the way he handles himself at the moment. It's a fucking nightmare. So... Boys, when I'm talking about what I just said before about believing in a guy, Scott Drinkwater's my boy, and I will reach for Drinkwater in draft. I, 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 I think he's going to blow up this season. And look, it's a punt. I could be wrong. And if I am, you just go, fuck, it was worth the punt. But I, I'm going to reach for him in draft legs this Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, play. Yeah, mate, I, I think he's got just endless potential drinky. I, I think he could be anything. Uh, you're right, he, he could be the value pick of the draft without a doubt. I've got big tickets on drinky. And see, this is the problem now. People listen to this draft podcast and then fucking he doesn't become the value play. Yep. Uh, actually, fucking cancel everything I just said. He's shit. Don't touch him, especially if you're in a league that I'm in. Don't worry about him. He's probably going to average 30. Well, uh, before we move on, Nutty, can I ask you where, if he's fullback for round one or if he's 5'8", where's the difference of where you draft him? Uh, I def- I'm definitely more on him at fullback. Um, How many rounds is it worth? But I'm still going to draft him. Regardless, I'm still drafting him as my 5'8". Yeah, okay. So... Regardless of where he's playing, I still draft him at my five five I eight. There's, I think there's better options in that range at fullback. Yeah. But yeah, I'd be if I was getting him, he'd be going into five eight for sure. Once but again, if he's I playing, if yeah, go if to go fullback. If he's playing fullback, I'm looking at him round five. I, I'll tell you the one counter argument I would put in here, and I love Todd Payton, but my God. Did he not just minimise everything that Roger Tuivasa-Shek was doing last year? I mean, it's like, it's like it, the Warriors were playing mm. a sort of different brand where it was it was like Roger just wasn't part of their game plan. It was a bit strange. That's the only thing that worries me here. Yeah, that is a worry, man. I didn't even think of that. Well, when I mean, that's yeah. something to think about, but surely the move to put Drinkwater at fullback means something. I think it's a step in the right direction for the team. So, yeah. I Look, so long as they play with a little bit of structure, um, Morgan stays fresh and uninjured. <laughs> they've got to play that, better than last they've year. They've got to play better than last year. Yeah. So they had, no, they had no attack last year. I'll so, tell you what, it's going to hurt if you do take Drinky pretty early that you're talking about and Michael Morgan goes down again. I mean, that's going to sting. It's kind of the same sort of thing that we were talking about, um, Natty, with the turbo effect on DC and Gerbo. Yeah, mm. it's, it's a similar sort of thing with Morgan. So I don't see Morgan lighting up anything this season, but it, just him being there takes a lot of pressure off the other guys in that spine. 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah, if he stays healthy, he's obviously going to be the older head in the side. He's going to be steering mm. the ship, and it, it is going to take the responsibility off these younger guys, and they're just going to be able to do what they do best, which is play eyes-up footy. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's get into the CTWs. Um, I can't believe, fuck, mate, this podcast is going to go a fair way because we're in the hour mark now. So settle up, boys. I start work in a couple of hours just quietly. <laughs> you, mate, you're not going anywhere. So, Wooker, talk to me. CCWs. Um, well, you stole my one, um, but look, I've I've gone a bit rogue on it and gone Jesse Ramian. Um, I was pretty big on him last season, um, especially since he's moved back to the Sharks where he had his breakout season. Look, I, I don't think he's going to do massive things, but I definitely think he can build on his average from last season. He, he looked good in parts in the um, – in the All-Stars game. And look, I, I just, I know he's got a lot of potential and I think he just needs a few things to go right for them to start attacking that um, that right edge that he's on. Is it right edge or left? Right edge. Right, yeah, yeah. So the, the right... thing with Jesse Raymond is, obviously he's got so much upper body violence, right? So he loves to break a tackle. I, I thought he loves when he moved... Yeah, he does. And when he went to Knights, I, th- I felt like he dropped off from that. He, he just wasn't involved enough. And I- I'd like to see that again from coming back to the Sharks where he just takes those hit-ups. And every-, every time he takes a hit-up, there's one bloke that fucking falls off first up. And the other thing is you're going to get him at value. And then when SJ comes back and gr- just say that SJ comes in, he's he's feeling healthy, he's looking good, and he starts getting that right edge humming again, and the Sharks run in the Supercoach Finals superb, you could be looking at a guy that just goes on and averages 75 for the Supercoach Finals. So I love him. Yeah. I Look, and the whole point is no one's really looking at that edge with SJ out. Mm. And I think he's definitely a guy that's going to slip well well into the draft because he's CTW as well so no one's going to look at him for early picks um, when I say early I mean like the the mid ranges from 8 eight to like 11 or 12 so yeah I, I definitely think he's one of those picks that you could get probably your third or fourth um, CTW and yeah he's definitely going to do a job and like the upside is pretty heavy on him mm. Guru talk to me uh, you know what I'm going to say, mate. Uh, everyone's talking when Sean Johnson returns. I who's giving him the ball? Who's who's there now? Talk to me, son. Mate, uh, as much as you want to bag him, and I'll wear it again. I'll wear it every week. That's fine. Um, I think Moise is going to be fantastic for him on that edge. Um, Moylan, I think I think he's going to have a fantastic two games before he gets injured again. <laughs> can, can we change don't the record over here? What's going on, you two? It's the same fucking him, jokes. You're like my old man. Him, don't let him get away with that. Who's going to pull pull my finger next? Yeah, don't, don't let him get away with that. You, you can't let him be the funny one. Come on, Guru. Get him. Sick um, No, him. boys, I, I genuinely think, though, uh, I think Moylan, I, I'm very nervous for when Sean Johnson returns and he has to move to fullback. I'm not confident in those legs. Playing 5-8, though, um, I am reasonably confident with him. The, the thing that I like about that right edge, and for me, until the Indigenous Maori All-Stars game, I was convinced that Sifatalakai would start on that edge. I don't know about you guys, but mm-hmm. I thought Nakora played the best footy I've seen him play in 18 months in that game. He looked really Big strong to me. Big time. He did look really good. And I was with you thinking that, look, Talakai, it's 
it's his fault when he comes back. Now I'm not so sure. So because, you know, Talakai can be like a nice value play on your bench or something like that, but does he even get the spot? Now, I it's, it's a hard one. Before I saw that All-Stars game, I was so confident that Talakai was going to be that right edge to RF when he comes back from injury. Now I don't know. It's a hard draft because like you, you're looking at Nakora and and Talakai, like you almost can't touch either. either. Mate, yeah. I, I think also like I'll come back to Moylan again. I actually think he's more suited to Jesse Raymond, Sean Johnson. Um, he's a fast edge player. He's a guy. He's got that. He's still got that that, that sort of touch football about him. Where you know if. If the option's on for him, he will always go long. He will throw that bullet ball. Moylan, he's more of a soft hands guy. And I think I, I think Jesse Ramian, he's the sort of center that he just needs someone to come along that knows how to use him. You need to u- use him short. You need to put him on the inside shoulder of his defender. And I think Moylan ca- is, is the guy to be able to do that. I think that Moylan's more suited to Ramian than what Sean Johnson is. Um I just think Ramian, mate, he's just got endless potential. I, I, I tipped him last year to be the Dally M centre. I thought he was going to explode down there at Cronulla and just didn't quite live up to it. There was a couple of years ago, his first year at Cronulla, do you remember they used to do that play all the time? The dummy half would stand up, the back rower had come under him, he'd show it, then he'd pop it to Ramian over his left shoulder and he would just cruise yeah. over the markers. I mean, they need to bring him into the game. He's not a... He's not a guy that's going to bring himself into it. You need to bring him into it. And this is where I think Moylan with his soft hands and his shorter balls, I think it really could be anything for Ramian. Oh, can we move on from Matt Moylan yet? Oh, mate, Seriously. I've got plenty more if you want. Uh, no, I, no, I can, I can tell you plenty. Champion. That'll do. That'll do. No, and look, the one thing I do agree with you is that Matt Moylan at 5'8 is definitely better for his game than playing fullback. Yeah. Because if he moves back, get off my back, dick, that, would you? Fucking hell! That that that, that hammy will fucking go on. Yeah, anyway. back. It's just not a Well, he's having you heard. He's been running with Roger Fabry. He's flying. Oh mate, it, the house is down. The, the, mate, the he, house it's not standing anymore. He he's just trained the fucking thing all the way to the rubble. He doesn't need to work with Fabry. He needs to work with that um, hamstring whisperer. <laughs> what? It, there's a there's a guy uh, physio or something that's called the hamstring whisperer. Oh, someone was God. someone was working with him um, end of last season. The I think hamstring. it was I think it was Turbo actually. Yeah, well how the how's that fucking gone for you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the, hey, it wasn't the same one that done. We shouldn't be. Is that a win? Right? I'm sorry. What <laughs> fucking? I think that's worse. <laughs> All right, next bloke up, Brian Kelly. I'm all over this. If anyone's not all over this guy, they're kidding themselves. Mm. This bloke is... So you look at the the, the elite CTWs this year. This guy presents... Because he is. He's an elite CTW. This guy presents the most value because you're looking at an average from uh, 56, which means on pre-draft lists, he sits way the fuck down, right? And unless you've done your study and you looked at him and you've put him up there, you might miss him. And blokes in your league will miss him. I think you have this guy in a team that's obviously going to be better in attack. They're going to have more space in the middle. They're going to give him more early ball. I mean, if you just look at the games he played from round 12 to round 16, he put on 71, 92, 105, 78. Yes, there's some 30s in his game, but also we're talking about the Titans of old as well. Like, I just think this guy could average 65. 
if they use him correctly and they start humming like everyone thinks they can, I don't know, man. Brian Kelly just gets me hard. Look, he ticks all of the boxes that you want in a CTW. He doesn't have that horrible floor. He has a massive attacking upside. He's an attacking center. And, my God, he, he's he's so good to watch. Just, like, from a real NRL perspective, like, just the, always lights it up. A, a huge, huge on him. Even even when he was back at, um, it was manly. Like, yeah, big on him. He's got a base power of 42. I mean, yeah. that's elite. That is elite. Nofo's got 46, so he's not far off him. Yeah. Guru? Oh, mate, I absolutely love Brian Kelly. Uh I, I, I often think that if he was in a Melbourne Storm or a Sydney Rooster system, I honestly think he'd be knocking on the door of State of Origin. I think he's one of the most underappreciated players in our game. Uh, and I think as the Titans become more and more relevant, um, I think this kid, he could be absolutely anything. Uh, a ball on a local, uh, he is just... I, I still can't believe Manly have let this guy go. I... It, it, it shocks me. To, to me, I've never watched this kid and not thought, fuck, how good is this guy? I can't believe he's bounced around this much. Mm. Especially when you look, is, at their, look at their center stocks, like Manly at the moment. Like, he he's streets above those guys. And, mate, he, he was doing the same thing then as he's doing now. Nothing's changed. I mean, he's always mm. been this guy. I feel like in the last sort of couple of years as well with the Titans, they've really lent on him in attack. He's really been their own, only strike weapon. And I think if the responsibility and the pressure sort of spread across some more blokes like, you know, Fogarty, Taylor, Brimson, I think you can see the best out of Brian Keller. I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. I think he can go to another level. The, the only worry with that is, like, he sees less of the ball. But, yeah, I, I think there's, there's if there's less attention from a defensive point of view, mm. it only works in his favour. Big time, 100%. All right, let's uh, let's get into fullback. Uh, Walker, talk to me. So my guy, um, he's in the in a similar sort of mould as Moylan, actually, a uh, bit uh, injury prone. Dylan Edwards. So he's strung together a few games We're all last big season. on this guy, bro. And look, he's shown potential every time he's had a decent run of um, games together. He look, we all know he's he's awesome. Average sixty nine last season out of eleven games. Scored below 50 once. And, look, scored over 60, 73% of the time. Like, he, he's just tick, tick, tick. You want to be part of that awesome attacking outfit in the Panthers. And, look, he's in everything. And he, he's got massive stats. Like, there was one game last season, we mentioned it in the last podcast, 30 hit-ups. Oof. 30 hit-ups. Right. <laughs> it's That's fucking outrageous. Ridiculous. That um, is look, arousing. He he's a try scorer as well. Like there's the only thing he doesn't do is goal kick. To be honest, but he he's a huge huge player. I I love love watching him play, and owning him is just a step above. So yeah, I'm big on him. The thing I love about Dylan Edwards, right, is because I love him in real life. I think he's my favourite fullback in the game in real life. I think the positional play that he does is second to none. I've never seen him let a ball hit the grass. Like, I don't know how he does it, but he always catches a ball on on the full, and he's deceptively strong. So I just love to watch him play. I love having him in my supercoach side. I've had him in and out of my side the last couple of years. And if he can just string... 20 games together, a full season, 
I don't know what he can do. Like, and also in a, in a team that's so fucking dominant in attack. Yeah, I love him, man. I really do, Guru. Yeah, boys, I I, I always uh, remember his debut. I remember uh, 24-year-old Matt Moylan, captain of the Penrith Panthers. They needed a six. He said, I'll play six. Hey, kid, you can have a go in the number one jersey. And Dylan Edwards, he hasn't looked back since. He's He's been incredible. Uh, I think he's... I know, I know I've said it a few times, but he has to be right up there with the most underrated guys in the comp. I was I was on the NRL roast this afternoon doing a Q&A on the Panthers, and, mate, the amount of questions I got about moving Stephen Crichton to fullback, moving Tyrone May to fullback, moving fucking everyone to fullback. <laughs> I could not believe it. I mean, are people watching this guy play or what? He's so good. He's so good. Like, it, to be honest, I, I just want to talk about him in real life because it, it, a little bit of it translates to Supercoach, but really, he is fantastic. Have you ever seen him miss a tackle either? No, he's strong in defence. And, that, and like so you were saying before, with that, with that, um, he's deceptively strong. Like he can get those one-on-one tackles, and he's not letting guys get through. No, I love him. I really love him. He gets me going, tickles my taint. I'm and, on him. And and I think the thing to remember from last year as well is that, I mean, he missed a lot of the preseason with his injury. He came mm. back for five or six weeks. He missed another four weeks. Then he returned. I mean, it was a stop-start season and. For me, there's never been a worse season to miss a preseason than last year because we got oh, to round three and fuck me, it was, a, it was a new game all of a sudden. It was faster yeah. than ever. So, yeah, to, to do what he did last year was incredible. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's not, not much more we can say about him. He's one of those top 10 guys, those elite fullbacks that you need to get. And we always talk about round three, so pick 20 to 30 being the fullback round, and I'll say I see him going there along with a lot of other fullbacks. So, if you want him, you're gonna have to get him then. Yeah, I could even see him slipping into the back end of the teens. To be yeah, fair. well and truly. Yeah, yeah, could happen, boys. Could happen. Mm. Um, my guy, King Gutho, and I've spoken to you both about him at nauseum. Mm. I'm big on him. I love him at the start of the season. I think he's great trade bait. Um, I've said it a million times before, but he's averaged 75 in the first eight rounds over the last two years. He's one of those really fit types. He loves preseason. He's, he comes into the you know round one super fit. And some guys that maybe come into round one not as fit, especially the guys in the middle, he makes them pay. And I feel like that's where he gets a lot of his points early on in the season. So mm. when you compare him to guys like uh, Pappenhausen from last year, which they have similar averages, but it's really it's Gutho's start to the season versus Pappenhausen's end to the season. So drafting Gutho, I really think you're drafting him to obviously get some wins on the board. He's going to score points, but also to try and trade him come round six, round seven for maybe someone like Latrell Mitchell or, or a guy like Pappenhausen or someone who starts the, the, the year slow. Um, but I just think he is going to start this year fucking humming. I think it's interesting for him to kick off this season. I mean, game one, I'm expecting him to score a ton. He plays the Brisbane Broncos, mm. their first game without Fafita, Hask, or Tony Staggs. I mean, I, I think that side's still going to be in a little bit of all sorts. I'm, I'm not liking what I'm seeing out of there the more and more I watch them. Uh Gutho, for me, unbelievable footballer, great supercoach player. As I've said before, it's just effort built on effort built on effort. And, you know, that's fantastic for supercoach. Obviously, he's 
He's not a guy that, to be honest with you, I don't rely on him in the big moments to deliver. Uh, maybe I'm a harsh critic on him. I cop shit left, right, and center for being harsh on him. <laughs> so maybe I am. I know he's a really popular guy, but yeah, he's he's not in my top five fullbacks anyway. No. I'm I'm not big on him season long, but I just think I think you can trade him high. He's, he he I think he will be the best trade high value of 2021. Oh, I find that inch. I mean, yeah, he's got he's got a good run. I mean, in the first six weeks, he plays Cronulla Tigers. Dragons, Brisbane. He also plays Melbourne and the Raiders. Uh, he, he plays at Brisbane again in round seven. Yeah, I guess it's a fair shout. Mate, to be honest with you, in my comp, no one fucking trades. It's unbelievable. Yeah. No one wants to give yeah. an inch, and especially with me, no one even replies to my fucking text. It's unreal. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in some leagues it is. In our leagues, it's hard. That's why I had to make mandatory bat rounds because no one would trade, and it was just boring. But... For guys that are listening that do have guys that love to trade, I think that's a perfect um, a perfect go with King Gutho. Now, boys, that's massive. We've we've just talked about two guys per position, and we've gone for well over an hour. So, Guru, is there any guys that we missed that you want to talk about? Uh, mate, I've had a quick look through the run sheet. The guys that I'll mention later uh, are the guys that I'll talk about, to be honest with you. I think we've covered... Uh, a lot here. There's a lot of those guys that I really like. There weren't too many of them that I would overly push back on, to be honest with you. Yeah, shout. Well, that's the that's the lookers, guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.